Have you ever awoken to find yourself hungover from transcendence? Like you'd experienced something so very sacred just the day before. You'd come to the middle of the ocean, to an island. You'd trekked up a mountain, found a temple and a cave, and you'd walked in and walked a labyrinth, and you'd had the most meaningful, beautiful, wonderful experience of your life. And everything was shining and the world was full of light and glimmer and you knew, you knew you had become a different person in that moment, that experience, this journey, the cave, meeting yourself, it had all changed you. You came out of that cave like ready to take on the world with the new knowledge, the new realizations of who you are and your place in this world. And then, then you had to come back down the mountain. You had to get back on that ship and sail back into the reality of your life, into a world of demanding voices and and, and all those friends who didn't experience the things that you experienced and you try to tell them about the cave and the journey you've been on and they, they just don't get it and it starts to rain and this, this wondrous experience of a mountain and a cave in the middle of the ocean, the memory of it soon washes away as quickly as the rain. And so you stand in the torrents and part of you just wants to just believe it was all a myth, like it was all a dream and seemed so poof gone. Like it didn't really happen, just a figment of your imagination. Part of you wants to, but part of you knows that you are different, so very different. And your tribe, some may have moved on, but others are still there and they remind you, they always remind you about that time that time that you went up the mountain and the cave and the booby traps and they are the constant circle of support. So you hold them close over the next while and, and you let them remind you again and again and again and you sit with some stranger on some day around a fire and he asks you how you've been and, in, and instead of bombarding this stranger with the exploits of transcendent encounters and trying to convince them of their need to experience such things, because it's never seemed to go well when you've done that over the last little while. Instead, you just listen. You listen to them. And, and as you listen, you hear them tell you of some unfamiliar tune that's been calling to them, some notion that there must be more, some need they have, some journey they must go on, and you find yourself telling them Southeast is a good direction. Southeast is a good direction. And as for you, well, you start to walk back northwest. There's a place so familiar that is waiting for you to return to. The people there need you. So off you trek on the long journey back towards home and you stop at village after village and, and you don't try to convince them of all you've seen. You just listen to their needs and you point them in the right direction. You listen and when they feel heard, they start asking you about you and this you realise is how it works, how we all work to be heard. This is what matters more than answers, to be heard so you hear them and then they're willing to hear you. In fact, they want you to tell them more. They're asking you for it. Tell me of your adventures, they say, tell me. So you tell them, you sit in the marketplace of every town that you come to and you listen to their stories until they're asking you for your own. And then you give them the gift of your story to some. Perhaps you give a painting of the island, to others a map through that forest, to others you give them the song that you sang in the desert, every creative thing you can think of you begin to make. 
when the people come and they come and they come and they come again and again and again and they go on their journeys and they go on their adventures and sometimes there's a tribe with you and sometimes you walk alone and sometimes it still does seem all like it was a myth, an adventure that was someone else's story and you know that in the reality of life it's never going to be this way but now you're on your way back home and you're holding on to what has happened and you're seeking to take others to give others the same kind of experience that you had. You have become a guide for the many others who have begun their journey. Friends, welcome to the Deep Place Podcast. Friends, you are listening to season three of the Deep Place podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, and let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Auntie Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. the Deep Place podcast that you are listening to is your jam, if it's your creative stuff, if it's sparking some goodness in you, then join us in the School for Creative Development, one of the modules within the School for Creative Development uh, for those of you who are storytellers is called The Art of Crafting Story. It is a in-depth look at how to um, how to write and create indelible stories, stories that tattoo themselves upon the heart and the heads, the ears, the something, lots of tattooing in various places um, of your audience. How do you grab people and have them love the stories that you tell? What does it look like to craft a beautiful, wonderful story? I get to, uh, I did this module with Sabrina Lloyd, a stunning, amazing, incredible painter uh, who lives on an island off the coast of um, Canada. And she uh, previously, kind of in a previous life, but really it's her life as well now, um, she's been an amazing actor. Back in back in the day, she was uh, on Aaron Sorkin's Sports Night, uh, one of the main actors on that, as well as um, working with Patrick Swayze and a whole bunch of other incredible, really amazing shows. So, um, I loved doing The Art of Crafting Story with her. She has read a whole lot of books. She's written a whole lot of stuff, and it was a wonderful thing to bring together. So you can check that out at www.schoolforcreativedevelopment.com. Oh yeah, here we are, coming back down the mountain. Don't you love it? Not. Oh my goodness, when we have these beautiful, amazing experiences, when we have these transcendent, these sacred, these meaningful, these self-discovery, when we have these things and then boom, it's like so hard. You just get hit in the face with reality every time. Like I get to go to lots of gatherings and events and conferences. And and I, I got to tell you that I've, I've had so many life-changing, life-altering experiences at many of these beautiful things that have happened in in my own travels and my own experiences and, and in my life in general. Like I've been lucky enough to have such beautiful, indescribable, sacred moments of transcendence, of of beauty, of humanity, like things that have made me weep. And then inevitably, every time I, I got to come back down that mountain. <laughs> I think of all the times I got to travel overseas and see the most insanely amazing things, meet the most incredible people and and 
the most resilient people in the hardest of experiences. And I come home and I, and I try to tell everyone about it, like trying to tell people about our experiences, the most beautiful, amazing experiences, life-changing experiences. And they just, and these people, are, they're living their normal lives and they just don't get it. They're like, oh, that's interesting. That's nice. Like, and I feel like this with my creativity too. Like you, you've been on this journey with this project and you're just pumped about it. Like it's changed you. You've been shaped by this amazing creative process that you've gone on. It's been incredible. It's been hard. It's been wonderful. You've come out the other end. Um, you, you hold it out to the world and you say, would you, would you look at this thing? Check it out. I can't even talk about it. I'm so excited. And they look at you and say... Yeah, that's that's nice. That's kind of interesting. Oh, and you just die, like you actually die a little. <laughs> so, a question today: How do we take? How do we take these indescribable experiences that we have on our journeys? Like these, we were talking last week about coming to that midpoint, those deep realizations of our life, connecting, getting connect, realizing our connections to the deep, deep, to the story that holds it all together, to, we have these incredible things, these encounters in the deep places. And, and now to take that stuff home, to, and to, to sell our wares at the marketplaces of the villages as we go past marketplace after marketplace to, to try to describe to people, to bring our creative things that have been created out of the deep place. Um, and, and, and often we just kind of want to push them onto people. We do. We're like, ah, we're, we're so excited. We start pushing our things on people and it just, it just doesn't seem to work well. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to work well. So how do we how do we do it? What does it look like for us today to come down the mountain of amazing experience and still power on in who we are, even when we're not having those experiences? And how do we then how do we then bring that out into the world in a way that's not pushing it on people, but in a way people might be excited about it? That's right. We're going to be talking marketing today. Let's get into it. I know, I know, as I said, marketing then, probably you were just like, oh, really? That's uh, marketing. Maybe that's not a nice word for you. We're going to get to marketing in a sec because I want to, I think we need to change our perspective on marketing. Um, but first, let's talk about, let's talk about the come down. Let's talk about the come down, the, the highs and the lows of the creative life. We know they're all a part of it. All our highs and all our lows. And I mean, this at the heart of it, in when we come down from the mountaintop, this once again, the best thing we can have is the people around us, our tribe. Like those who can remind us and say, don't forget. Don't forget when this happened, when that happened. I, I got to hang out last night um, with a bunch of people from a creative retreat that I did a few months ago. And, I, um, and I've had like a long slog the last few weeks of having COVID in the family and all of us getting the flu and school holidays. And, and now the holidays are finished and I'm trying to catch up on the mammoth amount of emails and logistics and my taxes due soon. And, uh, there's just so much. Like only a few weeks ago, I was on the mountaintop of this beautiful retreat experience. And and now like losing it in the humdrum reality of, of life. And then last night, um, as we sat around and kind of caught up with a bunch of people from this retreat, every every conversation was like, remember this? And, and what about when this happened and this? And then there was this. And I just... I came away remembering, like I came away holding on, not holding on desperately to what was, but remembering what was. And that was giving me kind of the, remembering what had been. And that was giving me the inspiration, just the, like, 
I kind of woke up the next day with the, the memory in my mind of the retreat and of seeing these, these people from the retreat the night before. And it was like, oh, it's going to be all right. Like, it's going to be all right. I, I came away from those conversations with a new lens for the day, a new lens for the day because of the support of these people helping me to look back, then allowed me to be more present, to, to remember what I'm doing and, and to remember why. And so my, my encouragement, when you have these experiences that we all know and we come back down the mountain and we don't feel great often, it is easy to hide away and isolate in that. But I wonder if reaching out to people, once again, is going to be the thing that will help us get forward, that will help us keep on going. And if it's not, perhaps it's not like a um, the mountaintop experience of some beautiful retreat with a community of people, but this is why we need the community of people all around us so that we can be sharing both our highs and our lows as we create whatever perhaps you've just you've been like slogging away on this thing and you've made it and like a book that you've written and you've gone hard at it and now you edited it and you got a publisher and you put it out into the world and the next day after publishing your book, you just feel lonely and empty and like, um, I thought I was meant to feel amazing. I've had so many conversations with people who experience the, this post post this come down thing, it's it's hard. It can be really hard. And one of the things that gets us through is going to be the people in our lives, the people that we have invited to go on the journey with us already, who can help us to look back and remind us, help us to remember and help us to latch on to the reason that we do this stuff in the first place, that it's not actually about the mountaintop experiences. Yes, they're amazing, but they really are the cherry on the top of the cake that is our creative process that is the wonderful creative stuff that we get to do. The point is the cake and we get to offer that cake out to the world and the cherry on the top is wonderful. Yes, but it's just the cherry on the top and the cake would still be wonderful even if the cherry wasn't there. I like cherries. I just like cherries, everyone. I don't really, like I do like cherries, like fresh cherries, but you know those like um, really sickly sweet cherries that are like sugared candy, they're just so gross. Anyway, cherries on top, fresh cherry, fresh cherry on top, a nice thick cream. That's what I'm going for. I want a, a thick cream, creamy cake with cherry on top. Gee, I'm distracted now. We're coming down the mountain. We're coming down the mountain. As we come down the mountain, I think one of the reasons why this happens for us, I think, is because we don't give ourselves the time to celebrate um, and to, to, to have closure on something, to be like, I've just done a thing. I've just done a thing. Let me celebrate that. Even when like coming down the mountain can feel bad, as we're talking about, can feel really, really hard. But I wonder if, even in the midst of it feeling hard, we've got to celebrate, like remind ourselves of the goodness of what we've done, that even as hard as maybe the journey has been to create this thing and bring it out into the world, you did it. You got through. You made a thing. You created something out of the depth of who you are, and now you're going to bring it out into the world. But that you gave yourself the the time, and that you gave it the energy, the focus, the you gave this thing your heart heart and your all, and you need to celebrate that. And I think when we celebrate it, part of that is just celebrating, which is amazing. Yes. But part of it also is giving ourselves some closure on the project so that it's not, so that like we kind of celebrate it and at the same time, we're kind of cutting it away a little bit from ourselves. We're kind of cutting off those threads that have tied to our heart. And, and then part of this again is letting it out into the world. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, the cutting off threads helps us to let it out into the world, but it also helps us to, to celebrate what was, to find closure in it, that then it will help us to be present for the next thing, 
and open our heart to the next thing. And when we don't, when we don't have that release, when we're still, I think part of the reason that we have these come down the mountain moments is because we're still holding on tight fisted to what was like, I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let go because I fear that it'll not, it won't happen again. I don't want to let it go because I fear that, like that was such a beautiful experience. And so in me talking about remembering what was, I'm not talking about holding on tight fisted like that with gripping hands, actually remembering the beauty of what was, these experiences we've had, what we've gone through. The remembering is actually a remembering to let go, to let it go. Every single beautiful experience we have and every single incredible creative thing that we make, once we have had these things, the next step is letting go. And that is so hard because some of these things that we create come out of like It's been our way that we've processed through grief and through hurt and pain and wounds and it ties so deeply to us. And to think about cutting those threads off means I might actually be not only letting my creative project go, but letting go of the people that I created it about. And and that is hard, friends. I know that this is hard, but the more that we can learn how to let go and surrender our things, our experiences, our creative projects, the more we will learn to be present in the next moment and open to the next thing that was. Not latching on to the past, but being present here and now. Learning how to let go is take it out of just creative life and out of out of like experiencing amazing things, simply learning how to let go is one of the most important things we need to learn in our lives. And we're not taught how to do this well. We're really not. We have moments where we're forced to with with death or separation or whatever it might be. But actually there's many times in life that we need to let go of things. And often it's in the not letting go that we are then... Um, that then our future things get tainted, get, get, um, they, they don't start off right because we're still holding on to what was rather than letting, letting it go. Friends, this is, this is an invitation now for you to let go. What do you, what do you need to let go of? Isn't it interesting? We're almost at the end of the journey. The, and yet the very start of the journey, if you remember back at back at podcast episode one or two or three or whatever of this season, there was a major part in that about letting go as well. So much of life when we come to the end of a journey and the end of a season is about letting go so that we can step into the new thing in the new season. Is there something you need to let go of now as you come down the mountain. All right, so we're down the mountain. And we've sailed back into the reality of life. We've come out of that deep, deep place and we're, we've created beautiful things in there. Um, and as we come out and, and seek to, to bring these beautiful, deep, incredible, transcendent things out into this world, our creative, wonderful experiences and creative, wonderful things that we've made out of those experiences, the big thing we have to realize is that once we seek to bring it out into the world, it is no longer about you. It's no longer about you. It it was all about you when you were doing the deep work. Like when you were learning how to um, see yourself in a different way, when you were learning how to create out of that, it it was about you then, yeah. But now it's about letting it go. It's about letting it all out. All, All art, I think, is a 
is a, a pattern of control and then surrender. Like you have the first constraints that you begin with, and that's the con- controls that you begin with. Perhaps you have a a blank canvas that's a constraint, or perhaps you have a um, a certain type of story or certain type of poem that you want to write. You have constraints. You start with some constraints with control, and then the first step from that has to be to let go of control into surrender, into the flow, the free-flowing first drafts of our stuff is all about surrender. And then we take up the editing pen and it's all about control once more. We take back control and we start to change and we move this and we change this and we do this. And then you've finished your thing and now the choice to bring it out in the world again is another movement towards surrender. So you surrender it, you hold it out. You hold it out and part of the surrendering is saying, regardless of how all you guys uh, respond to this, I am still going to be okay in myself because I have gone on a beautiful journey with this thing because I didn't do it for you. I did it for me, but now I bring it to you and I offer it as a gift. See, here's the tricky part because he then... Like once we offer it as a gift, then we've got to take up control again. As in, otherwise we'll be one of those people who who just waits for that break or expects people to come and, and admire our creative talent and and we wonder why nobody does. Like you might have gone into the depths and made the most beautiful thing, but now unless, and then the choice is to surrender it to the world, to bring it out into the world, but then you've got to take up control again as to how you present that thing to the world so that it'll reach the most people. Like unless you do, the people are just not going to even be interested. So, So again, this movement... As we said, it's this pattern, this movement of control and surrender, control and then surrender. We surrender it out to the world, but the choice to do so. But then we we got to take some initiative. We've got to take some planning. We've got to do some, some marketing. <laughs> like I love coffee, right? Um, but I am... I'm uber particular about the coffee mug that I drink my coffee from. So I have, I have two mugs that I always use and, and they're beautiful, aesthetic, cre- made. One of them was handcrafted by my sculptor neighbor and I, I love, like, they're just the perfect fit in my hand, the perfect size. I always use them. I'd almost, you know, I would almost rather go without a coffee if I got to drink it from some styrofoam cup not that we should ever be doing that for the sake of the environment, um, but I'd, I'd almost rather go without coffee than have to... And it's the same, here's the thing, it's the same coffee, but there is a vast difference. There's a vast difference in me drinking coffee out of this beautiful mug than like a styrofoam cup. There's a big difference regardless of the actual stuff that's in there. The coffee's the same but a lovingly crafted, bespoke, once-off, made sculptural coffee mug. I love that experience of drinking coffee out of that. What I'm saying is the coffee might still be exactly the same in both the styrofoam cup or my beautifully sculpted mug, but the, the cup it comes in, it actually changes everything. It makes it so much more palatable, more aesthetically pleasing. We, as sensory people, yes, it's about the taste of the coffee, but there's there's more than that. You gotta you gotta get the cup right, not just the coffee. And I know, again, way too many people who put all this time and energy and effort into creating something beautiful. They might spend all their money into making this amazing album, and they spend all their time and energy and all this stuff, all this stuff, and they got the goodness. They got the coffee that would melt melt your mouth off <laughs> they got like the most delicious coffee in the world and then they like pour it into a styrofoam cup and they go here you go here's some here's some coffee i made it for you and you're like dude just do some freaking marketing like work out how you can take this thing that you've poured your heart into and and choose to don't don't think of it as a dirty word. Like, think of it as you working, marketing, that is. Think of it as a, 
as you trying to work out how can you give the best gift of your coffee goodness to to the people that you're going to give it to? This is such an important question. And again, I think it's one of the things that either makes or breaks an artist in terms of whether they're going to take their creativity into being creative career, into being creative career. Those who are able, those who think about the cup that they place their creativity in to give as a gift to those around them, they are the ones I see who are successful in their creative career. And again, this is not just this is not just about creative career and about making money from your creativity and stuff. This is about how you can take the stuff that comes out of your heart, out of the deep, deep place, and how do you bring it out into the world in a beautiful form, in a beautiful form. Here we go, here we go. Well, a few words from our sponsors. You know when you find someone who feels like um, who feels like you, like you're looking at them and you're kind of looking at yourself in a mirror. I feel that with Liz Mullaney. Not that she has red hair and freckles like myself. She looks very different to me in the mirror, but a metaphorical mirror, uh, a personality mirror, a, a kind of spiritual and faith journey mirror. Gosh, she the stories she tells, I just relate so much to her trying to work through her faith in the here and now and what it looks like playing out in her life holistically. Her story feels like my story and I know it's going to feel like many of your stories too. So why don't you go check out thepracticeco.com. If you're looking for some online and accredited study, one of the ways you can do that is through the Australian College of Ministry. Uh, They've developed a groundbreaking, transformational adult learning approach that's tailored to each individual's personal needs and learning styles. Wherever you are at, wherever you're living, wherever you're doing your work, your ministry, if you're from a Christian background, you're like, yes, that's exactly what I need. Uh, Some intentional um, study around my practices and how I'm living my life, then you you can go and do that at both undergraduate and postgraduate level at ACOM, the Australian College of Ministry, uh, acom.edu.au. Go and have a look and, and flick him an email and say, I'm really interested uh, in your courses and they'll be able to tell you all about them. Um, there's a guy named Andy J. Pizza that I talk about a bit on this podcast because I love his stuff. And he talks about this, this same idea, this cup, um, the content, and there's the thing that the content comes in. You could have the best content in the world, the most delicious, but the cup that holds it is, I'm almost going to say, just as important. It is just as, it might not be just as important for your own creative process, but it's just as important for getting for the other people, for the people that you're going to get your stuff out there too. So this is this is the marketing stuff we're talking about. How do we market ourselves? That's a question. This dirty word marketing. Firstly, I think we've got to redeem that word. Perhaps, perhaps you don't market yourself I think many people have it as this, it's almost like they just picture this used car salesman. Like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to sell out, etc. We talked about selling out and success and all that kind of stuff a few episodes ago. But because we have that in our minds, we're like, well, well, if I don't want to be that used car salesman, um, slick, gross, trying to sell people some dodgy product, then we just swing the pendulum the opposite way and we don't market ourselves at all. And the people won't come then. And like, we've, we've got to stop waiting. We've got to be out there in the marketplaces. How are you going to stand out in the marketplace while still tapping into the deep, deep? Changing our perspective on marketing from recognizing, stop, t- stop trying to sell someone the product of your creativity. Instead, give them the gift of your creativity that might just stir their lives in exactly the way that they need. You know that your creative stuff has come out of your heart, like out of the deep place within you. So why would you, like you owe it to people. Guys, we owe it to people to give our things in the best way that we can to them, to market them in the best way we can to them. Change perspective on what you are doing. May you market 
and sell your wares at the marketplace, may your desire to do that come just as much out of a heart of empathy and a heart of curiosity and seeking to bring this our world forward in the way that we engage with each other, in who we are, all those beautiful things that creativity does. This is why we need to bring our things out into the world in a really good place. We need to change our perspective. You are not just the swindling um, car salesman. You're not. You would know it if you were. Instead, this is a gift and you owe it to the world to bring your gift out into the world. So to accompany this change of perspective, then it also it also means to change, I think, from trying to sell products to listening. And we heard a lot of this in that opening story of the podcast today. People are not wanting to be sold to, but they are wanting to be heard. Like there's a million, we have how many, I don't know, the statistics these days, but the thousands and thousands of, of things that we are sold, pitched to, marketed to every single day. Like we're not wanting to be sold to anymore because we're inundated with that stuff. But we are wanting to be heard. We fear it, of course, yes, but we're wanting to be heard. We're wanting to be seen. And, and people will know, I mean, people will know absolutely if we're listening just to sell them something, like we can spot that shit a mile away, anyone can. Um, you're going to authentically, bravely, courageously listen, not just to sell someone something, because your heart has been made big towards them, because you have empathy towards them, regardless of their response towards you or your creativity. You listening is the thing that matters. So you need to know that if you're listening to people in a way that honors them and their journey and their story and who they are, regardless of their response towards your creative stuff, that's the point. That's the point. Even if they throw it back in your face, you're like, no, I've listened well. I'm listening because I care for these people. Like empathy is so key to this. If you are listening to people just to sell your wares, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. We listen to people. We listen to people to empathetically connect to them, to seek to bring about the betterment of their life. Let's talk about Seth Godin for a bit. Seth Godin is um, he's a one of those marketing geniuses that's been around for a long time, um, talking through lots of different things around. If you haven't read a bunch of his books, are amazing, really amazing. Seth Godin he says this: marketing is the generous act of helping someone solve a problem, their problem. It's a chance to change the culture for the better. Marketing involves very little in the way of shouting, hustling, or coercion. It's a chance to serve instead. It's the act of helping others become who they seek to become. Marketers offer solutions, opportunities for humans to solve their problems and move forward. Empathy is at the heart of marketing. That's what Seth Godin says. And and he talks about it in terms of, um, he actually talks about it in terms of purple cows. Um, <laughs> let me tell you what he means by that. So a few weeks ago, I'm I'm sitting there with around 30 interior designers. You've heard me talk about this interior design retreat that I went on on the podcast in the past. Um, and and I'm sharing poetry with them. And I and I sat there. I remember one day I sat there and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm the purple cow here. I'm a purple cow here. <laughs> what do I mean by this? He Seth Godin talks about this in I think it's his his book is called Purple Cow. And he talks about driving along a country road and there's some nice cows there and and because you're new to the country, you're excited about all the cows for about a few minutes and then becomes one cow after another, after another, after another um, and you get over the cows pretty quickly. But then if there's a purple cow there in the field, you like stop. You take notice. If it was a, a purple, um, if, I mean, if it was a purple alien, you'd probably run the other way. But, but it's a, a purple cow. It looks like a cow. You know, it's meant to be a cow, but it's something that's different. You're going to take notice of this purple cow. 
and and so the cow, like the purple cow, fit in with the rest of the cows, like it was meant to be there. It was meant to be there. If it was something shocking that wasn't meant to be there, you might stop and freak out and continue on or whatever. But the the purple cow is meant to be there. It looks like the other cows, except for this thing that it's freaking purple. Um, and so he talks about it as this dual thing of it's asking, where do you fit and where will you stand out within that? Like, where do you both belong but also stand out? So I'm amongst these 30 interior designers, a bunch of creative, amazing people. I belonged there because creativity is at the heart of my stuff. And so I had all these creative people, but I don't, I don't, maybe one or two of them at the most had experienced like performance poetry and what I could bring. And so when I performed my poetry for them, they were amazed. They were like, purple cow, there's a purple cow in this room. Or there's a, I don't know, a red jig dancing poet. I don't know. Um, I stood out in that room because I both belonged there because I was creative. It was, it was the people that I would be found amongst but I also really stood out there because of what I bought, because they hadn't experienced kind of performance poetry and all that that can bring before. This, this is what I call in, in, in marketing, this is what I call a marketing overlap. Marketing in the overlap. See, for me, like, because uh, I've done this throughout my, like finding myself as the purple cow at this retreat, um, is just one small example of something actually that I've shaped my whole career around. I could have absolutely, for me, I could have stayed just within the poetry world, like performing within the poetry world to poets. That's where I belong. But you know what? I I don't stand out. I might stand out there in some ways, like the the way that I perform my poetry helps it to stand out. And, and so I, I do stand out in, within the poetry world, but I'm not purple cow there really. And so, but when I get out of the poetry world, like when I got out of my main thing, the world of my main thing and, and start to go, well, where do I overlap with other things? Like I didn't, I wouldn't stand out at a, at a poetry festival as much as I'd stand out at a creative interior design festival or a photography festival it's still similar in terms of it's still creative people doing amazing things, but but I, I stand out more where both I both belong, but also I pop. It's like I belong, but I don't. I'm in that overlap. My whole career, as I said, has been based around finding this overlap, finding where I fit, but on the edges of things. That I'm I'm in the circle enough that I get invited, but I stand out enough that I pop. This is this is where you find your niche. This is about finding your niche where the edges of things overlap for you. So, so poetry overlaps for me, has overlapped for me in my career with my Christian upbringing. So I, I found a niche there to bring my poetry to Christians and often those who are kind of pretty sick of Christianity culturally and are trying to work out faith and belief and spirituality. I've, I've found, I found a niche there to speak to those people. I both belong there, but I bring something different. Poetry overlaps for me with like the social justice world as well. I've, I've found a niche there that I could bring my poetry and creativity in my heart for social issues. And I bring that to a, to a social justice conference. And again, the, I'm a purple cow there. Um, poetry overlaps for me with with my love for teaching so i found a niche there in schools where where poetry came together for performance poetry came together for me overlapped with my love of teaching and my skill in teaching and so in schools i that's my niche i, I do a whole lot of school stuff i bring poetry into lots of schools and i'm a purple cow there poetry overlaps for me as well with my love for all other things creative so i found a niche there amongst creative events photography festivals um retreats conferences gatherings of all different types poetry overlaps for me with within the literary world so i i write fiction with a poetic edge and this is this helps me to find a niche within the fiction world is how I fit, but also how I stand out. Purple cow through the poetic lyrical edge that I give to my writing. Poetry overlaps with my desire to listen well to people's story. And so I found a niche there where I could listen to people's stories and then translate those stories into poetry, a major part of my, what my career has been. In other words, it's all about the overlap. 
It's been all about the overlap for me to take what I create in the deep part of who I am, to bring it out into the world has been all about finding my niche, finding where I both belong, but where I stand out. So what overlapping circles do you have in your life? Like you've got your major creative thing that you do, but are there, are there other creative forms that this overlaps with? Like my poetry overlaps with painting. My poetry overlaps with, um, with musicians. And I get to, like, this is about col- where we col- who we collaborate with as well, bringing in different things. Where's the overlap with your major creative thing that you do with, with other communities? Are there other communities that you're a part of, groups that you're a part of, cultural realities you're a part of that you could be, that you both belong to, but you can be at the edge of and become that purple cow within? this is kind of making sense that for us to take what we create in the deepest parts of who we are and bring it out into the world requires us to listen, requires us to listen. And the people that we will most connect with and that will most connect with our creative works to find that niche is to find the overlap, to find the overlap where you will become, where you both belong, but you can stand out, where you will become that purple cow. Um, we're going to get more into this as we go. Seth Godin again, he says, the challenge for most people who seek to make an impact isn't, isn't winning over the mass market. It's the micro market. They bend themselves into a pretzel trying to please the anonymous masses before they have 50 or 100 people who would miss them if they were gone. <sighs> what if we move from trying to please the anonymous masses into sitting with people and loving them so well that if we were gone, they would miss us? What if that was the best way that you could market your creativity out in the world? Just loving people. Because then it's not even about your creativity. It's not even about marketing. It's about bringing about a better world together. The anonymous masses that's in our head, even going viral and all that kind of stuff, or having a billion likes and a billion, million, whatever. Like, think about, bring it down. Let's let's do statistics for just, or whatever, numbers for just a second. If, if Facebook's organic reach is like 1%, it's probably even less than that. And the all the and Instagram's probably the same as well these days, like all the, the thingos, what do we call them? The, um, the social media algorithms and all that kind of crap is changing. We're getting less and less ability to get our stuff out there over social media um, because they want to make more money of us. That's the whole reason they're there. They're not, they're not, <laughs> they want to make more money of us. And so um, the organic reach of anything Facebook or Instagram is, is being brought down, down and down and down. So you spend more money on advertising you're given more money to Meta or whatever they're called these days to get your stuff out there, to try to reach all those masses so you have thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers. But if like if the organic reach is 1%, so let's say, let's say you have 3 million. Let's say you have 3 million people who have, like your Facebook whatever, who are signed up to your Facebook business page or, or Instagram photos. So if, if the organic reach is about 1%, that's about 300,000 people, right? And, and, and so you, maybe you get, if you've got 3 million followers, you might get, and you put out a post, a brilliant post, you might get 300,000 likes on it. About 1% of them w- would actually stop to engage. So what's 1% of 300,000? That's 3,000. 3,000 of them might stop and engage in some way maybe write a response or whatever. Only about one more percent of them, about one percent of them would then go on and like truly engage, like go and buy a product, come to your thing, join your course, do your whatever you're trying to bring out into the world. And so so we bring it down, we bring it down. We're bringing, we're talking like, we're talking down one percent of 3,000. Isn't that like 30 people? We have just gone down from 3 million followers to 30 people. 30 million followers, Facebook followers, Instagram followers, is, is worthless. Like it, it boils down to 30 
let's say you get you end up with 30 passionate fans out of those 3 million followers. So why do we spend all this focus on those 3 million followers trying to get more followers? Instead, flip it around. Flip it around and you focus instead on those on on 30 people. Just focus on 30 people and love on them and give to them. And I assure you that will do so much more than spending money trying to get more Facebook reach and more likes and more whatever. Instead, what if you just came down and you listened well to 30, 50, to 100 people, like just a small group of people. It's what, um, again, Seth Godin calls your smallest viable market. Seek to serve, not the anonymous masses, but what's the smallest viable market for you to keep doing your thing that you would need? That's who you focus on. Make it small. Stop spending all this money trying to find new clients, boosting Facebook and Instagram posts. There's some room for that, of course, but instead serve, go above and beyond with the small group of people who are like you, who like your stuff, listen well to them, invite them to be part of your tribe. They will be the best marketers you've ever had. Don't worry about the masses. Stop worrying about the masses. Focus on the small group. Listen to their stories. Find their needs. Serve them. Don't sell to them, add value to their lives. Add value to their lives. Seth Godin says the secret is not claiming attention, the secret is earning more trust. So you add value to them. That's what marketing is about. Authentic marketing is bringing about a better life for people that you deeply care about. And then go above and beyond. Go above and beyond. And you guys would know, like I um, I've talked to this, one of, one of my biggest creative career things that I do um, is writing a poem for someone once a week. I've done this for years and years and years and years and years and years. And it's so much more than just creative career. Um, but it has brought about advances in my creative career. I couldn't even begin to tell you how the only reason I can do what I'm doing now is because I went... I'm just going to focus on one person and I'm going to love on them with these words as much as I can, regardless of how they respond to it. Um, So even with this interior design retreat that I went on where I was the purple cow, um, one of the things that I did for them is I I offered to write whoever um, was there at the retreat. I think it was about 25 people there. I offered to write poetry um, for whoever wanted a poem to come and share some of their story with me and I would turn that around and write a poem for them. So I ended up writing about 20 poems, uh, having like 20 minute, 30 minutes sit down, listening to someone's story and writing their story out, reflecting it back to them as a poem. And I wrote about 20 of them. What's that? 20 times within a very short time of like three, four days. Um, It was intense. It was intense. I worked hard. I seriously went above and beyond. Like I could have gone to that retreat, absolutely. And I could have just performed because I performed each day and shared some stuff. And like I could have done that, but I wanted to off. I wanted to go above and beyond. Normally, like for a commissioned piece, someone might um, might give me 400 bucks to write a, a commissioned piece. So I'm, so in terms of just for that conference, if that was 20 people, that's going like, $8,000 above and beyond. Not that we can ever, it doesn't even matter about the dollar amount or anything like that. I I would do it again in an instant. Like, like who gives a shit about the money when you're getting to see lives change in front of you through your creativity all because my heart is open towards these people and I give and I give and I give. I go above and beyond. And as I did that, absolutely, there's some people in that group who have become good friends and there's people in that group who are like, I just want to support you, Joel, in what you're doing. And I don't do it to get that support. I do it out of an empathetic heart. And then the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is, like we could, you, you might be there saying, well, that's all nice and good, but like I got to make money out of this stuff, don't I too? <laughs> like, like you're talking a lot about giving. When do I start charging? <laughs> For sure, there's time to charge. But here's the thing, like, um, you might be saying, I just can't give it all away for free if I'm going to survive in my creative career. But to survive in your creative career, if you serve and you give lots of value to people and they feel seen by you, they will buy your stuff. 
Like they'll support you financially. They will want to buy your stuff. They'll, they'll buy everything you have to sell and you won't even have to try to sell it to them. They will go out and market for you and tell all their friends to go and do this course that you're running and go and buy this album that you bought out or, or get this book. Um, if you can, without the agenda of just serving people to get them buy your product, but serve them regardless, many of these people will end up purchasing from you and, and they'll feel ripped off if you don't then sell them stuff. They'll be like, what? I want to buy your stuff. Stop trying to just give it to me. I want to buy your stuff. Like when you go to a, I don't know, a concert or something and you see this incredible band and they're selling like a, a record and you're like, oh, I got to get that record because you love it because you love them and you want to support what they're doing. And they're not even, they didn't have to try to sell you this thing. But there's this beautiful thing that happens when we seek to serve people to listen well to them and their needs and their problems, to their lives, to their stories. When we seek to do that and people feel seen and loved and known, the cherry on the top (laughs) is that they will want to support you financially. They will, absolutely. They'll become your tribe and your tribe will be the best marketing tool that you ever could. So just stop going for the masses and just love on the minimum. Min- <laughs> I was trying to think of something that would go with masses. Stop going for the masses and love on the minimums. No, the the micros. No, <laughs> love on the small amount of people. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like for even with this podcast, I feel like. And I've said this before, like this third season of the podcast, I feel like I've gone above and beyond in what I'm, I'm giving you my, some of my best stuff and it's free. Like this, this stuff is thousands of dollars worth of material. It really is. And, and thousands and thousands of hours of learning that I've gone through it. Part of me wants to keep it for myself and to charge money for it. But then there's this big heart of mine that says, no. And, and coming out of this podcast offering, like I know um, I may have launched the School for Creative Development when, when this episode is released, probably have, um, I reckon, launched it or at least registrations will be open. Um, but like you might have been listening to all this stuff and be like, yes, and now you might go, okay, now I can, I'm loving this. I want to work out how it comes into my life. And that's what the School for Creative Development is about, how you can take all this stuff that I rabbit on about every week and, and, and make the rubber hit the road and bring it into your actual creative practice. Um, the School for Creative Development is, is a place you can do that. So come, jump on and go to schoolforcreativedevelopment.com and check it out or go to joelmccarrow.com and you can check it all out and do that there. But again, I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm not doing this podcast to sell you that product. I'm doing this podcast because I have all this stuff that I've learned on my journey, on, on what I've gone through and, and I want to serve you and make your life better and add value to your life. And I hope you listeners have found that like as I think we've got I've got one more episode to go with this this season then maybe I'll put a little interview in between or something as well but one more of these kind of sessions <laughs> and I hope you come away from this third season going oh I feel changed I feel new I feel different I feel like I'm feel inspired for me that's what it's all about that is what it's all about that's why I do it so let's boil it all down just to to finish off this episode boil it all down boil it all down find how do we how do we come down the mountain journey well through the the valleys that we hit on the other side where things don't feel well remember the good times absolutely remember the experiences we have had but hold them um, hold it loosely learn how to surrender it to hold it out into this world and to let it go but as we let it go as we bring out these beautiful coffees that we've brewed as we take our creativity and bring it out into the world then do a few things find your niche find where you both belong but also where you stand out like a purple cow. Find the crew that you can bring, find those overlaps, the crew where where your things overlap, where you might find your niche, where you both belong, but you also stand out, where your creative stuff belongs, but it also pops. Find that and there in that place, don't just try to sell. 
don't just try to sell. Sit and listen to the stories and to the heartache and to the excitement and to the problems and to the love and the passions of the people there and then serve them. Serve them. What are their needs? How can you serve them? How can you give to them? Go above and beyond in adding value to their lives. Sit in marketplace after marketplace after marketplace and love on people. How are you going to make their lives better? Boil it all down to that. How are you going to make their lives better? And then the cherry on the top, the fresh, beautiful, juicy cherry that you've just popped off a tree, not the gross little sugary gross thing, but the fresh, most fresh cherry you could ever cherry upon. <laughs> oh, gee. I'm a poet. I'm really good with words and stuff. Um, how are you going to make their lives better? Whatever else happens, you selling your creativity, them getting pumped and going for your creative stuff, it will happen if this is your mindset. And it's just a cherry on the top. It's just a cherry on the top of you living the most fulfilling, creative life, surrounded by a community of people who you love and support and who know you and you know them. A tribe. A tribe. Ah, friends. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. At least I hope you think it is. I'll see you next episode.